What's going on, everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, joined, as always, for our week look back in oil, episode number 20, 22, excuse me, here on this beautiful June 5th. Thank you, as always, by for our director and publisher of Oil and Gas 360.com, Stuart Turley, for joining me. Stu, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing fantastic. We are ready, and we've had a busy week. We've had an insanely busy week. We have a great show lined up. We're going to talk all different types of stories here. If you're an oil trader, we've got a crazy story that we're watching on oil inventory adjustments. Concho and Pioneer fire jabs back and forth on adding rigs. Stu's got some great stuff on the international news deck. I think I think uh, Bloomberg copied us. They read our uh, podcast and did our executive compensation. So we'll dive into all of that, as always, with the oil levels and check in on the 360 official, non-official fund. But first, this show is brought to us by our friends at Adamantine Energy who are really asking the question, what is social risk for the energy industry? It's not just community opposition to development projects. It's everything from the success of the, uh, the success from the divest from fossil fuels platform to how investor engagement on ESG programs to individual states and in ambitious climate and decarbonization agendas. They are an unbelievable company and Adamantine Energy is the leading consultancy that's helping oil and gas companies prepare for all of this social risk. They're led by Tisha Schuler, who's the former CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association and, and she is an awesome friend of the show. We love chatting with her. We, we You can look at an interview that we did with her about three weeks ago to kind of get a flavor of what she's all about. She also has a podcast that will be launching next week called Energy Thinks Podcast. I'm actually in the process of doing a lot of the production for and I'm telling you, there are some powerhouse interviews she's got to come with. So I check that out. You can check out everything for Adam and Teen Energy at energythinks.com. She has a great weekly email. And if you are not already subscribed to Jokes on You, because your competitors are definitely reading this, it's the best email that you can get in your inbox every week to keep you updated on what's going on with the ESG as it relates to the energy space. It's called Both Things Are True. She does an unbelievable job of about breaking these things down. You can also subscribe to this show, the 360 Digital Closing Bell, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Follow Intercommon Oil and Gas 360 on all of the platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Google+, whatever, wherever. Social is we are here for that. Please connect with me and Stu on LinkedIn, Michael Tanner and Stuart Turley. The Energy 360 Network by Intercom, which you can find on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com, has the great is the best place for oil and gas thought leadership. We have some great interviews that'll be coming out. We we dropped two ones this week. Alex Epstein was really good. We also dropped that was on Wednesday. On Monday, we dropped one with Crossroads Strategic Advisors, which was a wild episode. I recommend checking it out. Next week, though, we have a great interview. We sat down with Heidi McCullough, who's an ESG uh, person in the Canadian space, and she has a very interesting flavor. She wrote a, excuse me, directed a really, really awesome YouTube uh, movie that, that, Stu, you actually watched the whole thing, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it was phenomenal. Learned an awful lot. Yeah, she is She is awesome. We, we, we enjoyed chatting with her. She's, again, in the ESG space, and her big... Um, it chat was, you know, and, and really the, the vibe you get from all of these people in the ESG space, specifically when we sat down, we, we had an internal chat with Intercom this week, is education in the ESG space is huge. People need to be educated on 
actually what is going on when it regards to all of this environmental social governance that we talk about. So that was the big thing we chatted about was, you know, you know, Canada is obviously more resistant to oil and gas than the United States might be. How do they navigate that? And, and, and the education process goes behind it. So it's a fascinating interview. We also just today cut a great interview with Buddy Clark, who's a partner and the co-chair of the energy practice over at Haynes and Boone. We love Haynes and Boone, obviously, on the weekly energy tracker. And if you tune into that every Tuesday via Zoom, you sometimes might here buddy and he wrote a great great book called oil capital that Stu cranked out in like four days what is that for you could do you have the book can you pull hold the book I, up I, it's, I sure it's a big one if you're listening on youtube I, I, it is thick. it is uh, i'll tell you what uh buddy is a great great author and knowledge i had you can tell by the notes that i was taking through this thing it's a great, great read for anybody because Buddy in his interview said history repeats itself. And there you go right here. There it's, it's a great book by a partner from, uh, Haynes and Boone. It is a great, great book. Stuff. If you're interested in the history of sort of the oil and gas space, how it came to be from specifically the financial, legal, and capital side, highly rec- recommend checking out that interview. That will be available on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas.com. 360.com but i think it's time to shift gears and whip around the oil field and chat about what happened this week so much good something i don't even know how we're going to cover it all here in this first part because there's so many good things i think the biggest thing that i I, you know i want to start with that i mentioned was obviously last week if you listened to my show i was i was bullish on uh or excuse me i was bearish on oil uh, on oil we 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 took out multiple positions on the short side i was completely bullish and i got we we got taken to the cleaners on that one we exited early a nice hot and a nice thousand dollar loss on the crude oil side which is fine that's what happens when you play the portfolio but you know really monday tuesday wednesday this week you know sentiment shifted i think people were were bearish maybe coming into the week but i but 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 quickly it shifted to the positive side as a lot of covid 19 stuff came out that was very positive demand started coming back we saw transportation numbers go berserk so a lot of interesting things were happening on that side to help the demand come back a little bit and and, and one of the interesting things that happened on tuesday was 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 concho came out and this is sort of you know we've been we've been wondering at what level we're you, companies are going to start turning on not just productions because that that's the one big thing but start drilling again we mentioned on the podcast about two weeks ago majority about it's like 40 percent of the united states oil production was drilled within the past 15 months so when you talk about the decline of oil of new wells coming onto as they become more mature you're when you're not drilling you're losing those huge huge production numbers that come on so concho actually had a securities call which is it was sort of like we call it an investor relations call i mean you know it's clear bank of america does their hedging joke to joke so if you're trying to sell hedging to concho know who you're going up against bank of america so that's kind of why you can get them you can get them on this call um, or, or bank of america is able to do this so they get on with their investor relations and there was you know a lot of different nuggets that came out but the biggest news item on tuesday that came out of that was concho's admission that not admission but statement, and I think it's an admission. You should keep this to yourself. And it's it's an admission of it's an admission of we're not quite sure where we're going. They but they have decided to add 36 uh, new wells by the end of 2020, specifically in the Permian Basin. There, you, know, you can actually go on there. Uh, enter, it's the 2020 Energy Credit Conference. If you go on Concho's website, you can take a look at the uh, the webcast. You you have to type in your email. So I've been giving them fake emails all day long. Every time I need to re- get get back, and I'm not giving them. I don't need to be in a Concho email drip campaign for all of their webcasts. That's the last thing I need. So we've been giving them we've been giving them the junk mail, but. 
when you dive into the, the slides, what you can see is is there's 36 new wells, all ranging from Bone Spring down to the, the Wolf Camp B. So they're going to kind of stack about uh, 10 to 15 wells each level down from Bone Spring to Wolf Camp B, which is sort of the most productive stuff, especially when we talk to our, our experts out in the reservoir. Those are sort of the pay zones when you get down into the Permian right there. So Concho adding rigs. And the interesting part about that was they're sort of the first company specifically in the Permian on the EMP side to come out and say that which is you know who knows let's see who follows that the interesting part was we ran this on the closing bell today actually when you know jokes on you guys this is a Thursday afternoon we're recording this so if you're listening to this Friday morning, we ran closing bell for Thursday about two o'clock. My 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 one big thing there was 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 Scott Sheffield coming out and saying basically forty dollar oil is the time where exploration companies can balance their books but not add rigs and basically called out Concho without saying their name but specifically said their a competitor in the Permian has decided to add rigs. This is not the time to be doing that forty dollar oil. You know, it really it's kind of a. I don't know. It's kind of a shot in the heart when you, when you got the you know a really large CEO of a company that could probably take to spend some money, come out and say forty dollar oil is perfect. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to balance our own books. It's just it's a little bit. It's just I don't know. It would be not you know because really it's the service companies that got hit hard. So that was you know that's the interesting thing that 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 has shifted. I think in the you know this week is the sentiment of oil. I think, you know, last week I think it was bearish. This week I you know, I think specifically with Concho coming out saying they're gonna add rigs and then, you know, Scott Sheffield who's, you know, the most, you know, probably outspoken CEO of a of a you know, a mid to large cap oil gas coming out and specifically calling him out for it'll be interesting to see the dynamics play and if any companies come out and either follow Scott Sheffield's lead saying, No, this is a time when we're gonna rebalance our books or if they're gonna come out on Concho's side and say, Hey, we're gonna add rigs and continue to add this production so that we can take advantage of, you know, this price moving upward. You know, as you know Oh, you know, we're, they didn't bring off. There's only about a million barrels we brought offline. That's nothing in a hundred. Talking about a hundred million barrel of oil uh, market. I know demand comes back, but but this is a. Th- we're talking about a three, four, five month plan, especially if you're drilling thirty six wells. That's not happening tomorrow. So you that play is coming up. So that's really you know on the, on the, on the oil side and the sentiment side. Those are the two big things I'm looking for. What you you had something you want to chat about, Stu? Yeah, there were two articles that came out. One of them was today, and then one of them was uh, Tuesday. And that is uh, the one on Tuesday, uh, the Trump administration uh, gave uh, the uh, – had a ruling basically that Mm -hmm. said – uh, that they're not going to, they're going to allow, not going to allow New York to stop uh, oil and gas pipelines anymore, mm-hmm. which means we can get gas from the Marcellus. Let's get gas to the Eastern seaboard and let's not buy Russian gas for New York. So I thought that was a really good one from the Trump administration being able to save jobs in the u.s for the oil company yeah and i I mean i mean along that note one of the biggest things that we've talked about here is how we're you know i'm you know specifically i've talked about i'm not i'm anti-government getting involved in three free markets and there was a lot of talk early on and we covered it of the different types of government intervention that could happen and i will give the trump administration credit they have done a good job of intervening when necessary and pulling back and allowing the markets to work when necessary I, i you know i i don't you know, you don't hear that, I think, often said, but I think they've done a good job of balancing when to move in and when to move out. And I think this this move by the Trump administration to do exactly what you talked about, I think is a testament to that. This is the right time to move in and actually do some sort of regulation to help people out. 
and the next one that came out today, we don't have all the details, but Reuters uh, released it in saying that he's going to have an executive order that's going to release it for federal agencies for emergency power to do all major energy infrastructure. So it's almost related, but it's even more than that. I would love to be able to say, let's get our Canadian brethren um, uh, pipelines down here. And I would love to see this executive order take part of that so that we can offload some of the um, natural resources from Canada. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think that's a, a big thing. And, and, you know, another thing that I noticed this week is, uh, you know, on Monday we chatted about um, executive compensation and we, you know, as what a, I think the joke, oh. came, I think the joke, <laughs> chatted. I think chatted. we didn't quite chat about it. We dove in, we, we went into it a little bit, but uh, um, what was the, we said, we did what must be done. And we talked exactly. Well, I'm pretty sure someone at Bloomberg was listening because they come out with their own um, basic article that that walks through sort of the same stuff that we did. They focus on Whiting, Chesapeake, and Diamond Offshore as as companies who have not necessarily done the executive compensation game the right way. You know, really, when you know, and I, I you know, they get into Oxy, a bunch of all this stuff. You know, I just think the one thing that you know. These articles, you know, it's specifically this one, this was a lot more harsh. They got into, you know, how much they're getting paid an hour to do all this. I mean, it's really a fascinating article if, you, if you're interested in some of the minute details. But none of these articles fail to bring up companies that are actually, like, doing this right. And that's sort of my one big takeaway because, you know, it, you know yes, yes, you know, executives might be, are getting overpaid in some instances, but they're also not in other cases. So I think it's, 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 it's a can of mixed bags you can, you, can, you can focus on. You know, it really depends how you fall. But, you know, the, obviously Bloomberg's listening, so we'll thank you guys if who's ever out there listening for us, but we appreciate it. But you can check that out. We'll have this on the Oil & Gas 360 uh, news desk if, if you want to dive in a little more to the executive compensation stuff. The the other thing that 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 that's been really interesting in some of the rumblings I've been hearing is is is, is talking about the crude oil supply adjustment, and this is something that if you're a hardcore energy trader, you're very familiar with. So, if you're wondering, as you know, every week we do supply that we, 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 we when the DOE comes out and gives their crude stocks, that gives a bunch of different numbers, distillate demand, all of these specific numbers. And what's funny is they give you all the numbers as if they're exactly the numbers up until the specific date they don't necessarily well they specify but they're just presented to you as that well crude oil stocks crude oil um demand utilization all those jazz those are up-to-date numbers but remember how they have crude oil production crude oil production when we've been banging i've been banging my hand on the table for it needs to go down it needs to go down we've been looking at specifically when we're trading the the, the doe crude drop at 8 30 we're looking at that domestic production number because that's a sign that oil is coming down help balance out demand we've been there done that covered it but what's funny is that number that they drop isn't actually the production that's happening for the week it's an estimate based on an energy supply outlook that 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 EIA runs that base does some energy modeling, but also takes into account news that has dropped. They survey large companies and say, okay, what's actually going on on the floor? So everyone, so if if you're an energy trader, you 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 know that, and and, and it doesn't necessarily change the fact that you're trading on the number, but it but it, but it becomes interesting when. They become when they come back and they actually tell you what the production is about. You know, it's usually about a three to four week lag in when domestic production drops 
due to the energy model on Wednesday every day at 8.30 to when they actually roll in the weekly data. And it's called the DOE crude oil supply adjustment. And they adjust it every time. And to be honest with you, for the past you know, year and a half, the supply adjustment has always been on the positive side. Because if you think about it, there's so much associated natural gas being produced in the Permian and specifically the Eagleford that a lot of the crude oil that's mixed in with there just gets burned off and not counted. So, you know, if you follow the weekly energy tracker, um, this is something that Aaron Vanderford, who's the president of Intercom, covered oh, two, three weeks ago. He was mentioning the effective rig count versus the effective production rate. And so there's, you know, the, the EIA misses, you know, sometimes a million barrels a day, and they clearly admit that. But it's to the north side. They miss a million barrels. And that would make sense. There's a lot of different things they can't make. But what's been happening the past four weeks is the average crude inventory supply adjustment has been negative 980,000 barrels over the past four weeks on a daily basis, which is almost a million to the downside, which is absolutely crazy to think about i mean you occasionally see spikes down i mean you know in july and august we saw two spikes down right below only to about three hundred thousand missing but for the last four weeks it's taken an absolute nosedive and traders are they're, they're wondering what's going on here and it's it's you know really the, michael do you do you think that that's a conspiracy theory going on no, I mean, I do love a juicy conspiracy theory, so I'm never one to d dismiss it. Really, I mean, you know, what, what, what the article that I, you know, th th that's really talking about this, they mentioned production and these large swings in data that's coming in, you know, it may all be the culprit. And the problem is when all of a sudden now companies begin to shut in and, you know, this, and this sounds funny, but, you know, most companies... They're not checking every single day what their production is per se. They don't. You're not checking yep. that every single day. That's not necessarily the part. They're checking it maybe every week, and, but they're not looking at from a total perspective. What's my total company? You know, and maybe there's somebody in the company doing that, but it's he's not talking to the EIA. He's not the one that when the EIA sends out these surveys, it's just the the, the person who's responding to these EIA surveys. It's the investor relations guy. And love those guys. I we love investor relations guys. Absolutely love them. But they're not engineers, so you know they, they're not. You know they they have a whole nother business that they're trying to run in managing the financial outlook of a company. Where you know so maybe there's a production manager who's got that number, but it's not it, keeping that up to date. That you, you the information doesn't necessarily travel that quickly per se between levels, um, just like any big company would. So you know does Mark Zuckerberg know? Every single day, how many users Facebook has? Absolutely not. He might get an update every week or every couple weeks, but he's got bigger fish to fry on that front. So, so do these oil CEOs. So, when you're talking, when you're seeing these swings on the negative side, you know, a lot of that just has to do with a lot, probably more good data is coming in because for the first time in years, actual overall company production has been a corporate C suite. Um, priority and a lot of these you know now a lot of these numbers are actually getting reported on more of a frequent basis so i think that's partly why i think you're seeing this swing on the crude oil um supply adjustment but that's something that if you're a trader we'll continue to watch for and cover um on this um do you have anything else Stu? because i've got one more story ish we can cover you got anything else uh, well the only other thing is uh we did have that article come out by kevin over at uh, rare petro last friday and it really was an outstanding worldwide look or story on crude oil storage. So that's up on oil and gas 360 as, as part of that goes as well too. So just wanted to give that one out. It covered a lot of uh, storage facts 
uh, around the world and how much of it is actually coming in. Um, what are some highlights? Wait, so, so give me a highlight for a minute. Um, there is a ton of floating oil storage coming in. 43 million barrels of Saudi oil is set to begin arriving on May 24th by uh, Rystat. There are 14 very large uh, um, crude carriers, including 76 tankers uh, about ready to unload. Mm. So any the, the bottom line to this is any shut-ins we have done is being eroded by this floating uh, flotilla of storage coming in from imports. It's yeah. not good. No, it, it's not good. And especially if, 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 if the industry takes the contra approach, like they mentioned on Tuesday and starts adding rigs. Now, I mean, that's good. It's good for business. It's good for service people that are laid off. I know, you know, I, I have, you know, I have friends who work in directional drilling who, who would love to get back into and start working again. But you know, it's it's a dicey scenario when you have all of this production coming back. It's it's kind of why Scott Sheffield. I mean, as as you know, as as savage as this sounds, Sheffield's probably right. Forty dollars is the perfect spot to balance your budget, but you don't have to have the pressure of adding rigs because it's still spicy. So, you know, as you know, uh, you know, he mentioned forty five fifty as being that magic rig number. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what oil does. I mean, right now it's a. Uh, 37 33 so i mean we're still a couple bucks away from 40 but we're getting into that range where maybe these budgets are going to be a little more balanced what do we have on the international news desk side uh this week we had two really interesting stories um kind of weird they were both in australia from uh standpoint but first one was we love our australian listeners uh we do we have a very big uh worldwide following now which is pretty cool uh, in Sydney, uh, Peabody Energy is a coal-producing yep. company. I lived with and, I, one of my roommates in college is a Peabody Energy coal mining engineer up in uh, their Wyoming facility. It's uh, – oh. where is oh, – I forget the name of it. It's like uh, Shoshone – not Shoshone. It's up there at Green River, up, up in the Green River, Wyoming mountains. Oh. He's in a big coal mine. Oh, that's fantastic. But there's two types of coal. Coal – and coke coal and coke coal is for steel production oh boy you missed that one i was trying to give you a bone so (laughs) on steel production is gone down dramatically worldwide in markets this is only a systemic uh showing or numbers of what's going on worldwide with the oil domino oil covid domino effect that's going on I guess we could call that the oil and gas 360 oil COVID domino effect. Uh, it's going across the world. It's on right brand. Now. It's on brand. <laughs> it's, a, it's on our brand. So that was one of them that I thought was just amazing. Uh, Peabody had already closed one of their mines. Now they're laying off another uh, one third of their employees over there. So it's out to them. But it's a systemic evidence of more problems coming around the domino theory. The other one is Shell uh, put out the the sale of the two billion dollar plus stake in the Queensland's yeah, I saw that. Uh, LNG. Uh, so you take Shell, they're needing the cash. Uh, what's a couple billion between friends? And uh, you know LNG is really in the Asian market uh, still going to be uh, a wildly needed product 
and with LNG, uh, the, the plants over there in Australia, this is a big deal. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you know, the LNG market, you know, you know, that interview we did with Spruill and Chris really hit home for me the importance of that global LNG market. So this is uh, this is a, this is uh, an interesting deal for Shell getting out. It'd be interesting who comes in as the buyer. Do they say who's interested in buying? I didn't see that, but did you know who the minority owners were in this? Who is it? China National Offshore. Oh yay! And Oil Corp Tokyo. Now. The other article that I told you about on the international news desk was China offshore was starting to ramp up production in order to use internal oil as well. So we've got just a ton of weirdness going on in the world. No, I think people are, you know, specifically, you know, we we, we may be here, you know, the, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of stuff going on right now. We're too busy over here in terms of all the new stuff. So please, if you have any other things and other news articles that you want us to cover, please, you can get a hold of us, mtannerintercominc.com. We always, always love it. But I think it's time to move into the levels for oil this week. As always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good energy research, and they provide all of the levels and stories from their energy group solution. Just check them out, www.sandstonecg.com. Give them a call, 949 1818 I mean really when we look at oil this week as mentioned I was bearish that was clearly wrong come Tuesday and uh it was it was a quick I I think uh it was about noon noon on Monday I think I messaged you after the podcast came out it was like I got it wrong flip we're bullish for the week, and then I think Tuesday is when I officially I dumped the shares that we had in the 360 official, uh, non-official fund. So, um, point of control has moved up for the five days, all the way up to 36.79. I would, I mean, this is this is crazy for me. If you told me three weeks or two weeks ago that the point of control is on a Friday is going to be 36.76, I would have shot you and said you're you're not doing it right. What do you what do you tell them? We're going to be you know. And so, but it's been an insane bull run. Over the past four weeks, um, you know, three weeks more, say, point of control, like I said, 36, 17. That's where a fat chunk of volume is. You know, if you're a bull for the, for, 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 you know, if you were a bull moving into the week, you know, we'll cover sort of the big levels. The key levels for this week that we saw were 35, 35, 36, 79, as we mentioned, is the point of control, and 37, 13. The top for the week actually was 38, 15. That got hit yesterday. So 38, 15 for the cap on the week. Um, I mean, just just crazy. Like we mentioned, we could see forty next week, and and you know, if I had to guess, I'm gonna put oil at forty bucks next week. But you're gonna have to tune in to the three sixty official, or you're gonna have to tune into the three sixty closing bell on Monday to check all of that out. And remember the EIA numbers; they did come out this week. Um, remember Friday we had a 200,000 barrel drop in uh, the production numbers which is probably as we mentioned in the story probably a little more accurate now that um, some of the uh, domestic stuff crude inventories did drop 2.4 million barrels though Cushing lost 1.3 million barrels which is a good number on the actual US storage side so you know going forward I don't think Cushing storage is going to be an issue and you know as much as we'd love to see negative pricing again as fun as that was to watch that on the charts um, I'm not sure if if it's good for everybody else. We, we, we don't think that's going to happen again here on the podcast. Anything else for the levels for the week here on oil before we move into the fund? Uh, I'm good. Good. Well, lots of storage. Lots of storage. Floating storage. No, floating storage is going to be something that we are watching on the podcast. We appreciate Rare Petro, and and, and they do some really great um, um, 
analysis work specifically around the global energy market. So I'd always check them out, www.rarepetro.com. I think it's time to go ahead and just move into the 360 official, not official signed fund. But as always, the lawyers make us say this so we don't get sued. This segment is for entertainment purposes only. Everybody on the show, i.e. me, Michael Tanner, and Stu Stewart Turley, we invest money for our own account. We do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice. We do not offer securities or have any involvement in the regulated side of the industry. Remember, investing is risky, and you can and will lose all of your principal. That being said, Stu, how's your side of the portfolio going? Uh, doing okay. Uh, I'm back. I jumped back. Very, into very, Rattler. very enthusiastic. Yeah, but I jumped back into Rattler real quick and Oxy. You did. Uh, jump back into Oxy. Both of them. Take a look at the charts. They're really pretty good for some uh, day day issues there. Now, um, Tomcat coming up on his picks. Uh, he's saying we are at the top end of the market totally. And take a look at and the next week or two major sell-offs. Okay. So, uh, so Tomcat's got sell-offs for us. Yes, Tom. Tomcat's thinking we're at the top. Well, I mean, you know, not to be creepy, but you know, third, you know, we had five, six days of of gains just in the equities market in general. If you've been following the closing bell live on YouTube every single day, two o'clock Mountain Standard Time, you get YouTube enter, at Intercom. But markets have been up, specifically in the overall equity space, and 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 the sentiment that came out today, and all the stories on the flatness of the market was, ooh, it thinks it's getting a little high. Um, you know, specifically if you're looking at, you know, he's probably looking at S&P 500 RSI, which is relative strength index. It's about an 85 right now, which means it's overbought, which means a sell-off might be coming. So, you know, from a technical side, that's probably what he's seeing. I like the Oxy pick. I actually think they're a little wound up a little bit. And if we do see oil continue to rise, that's only going to help them out because part of the reason why I think they've been getting hit, hit so hard is because the oil price, they've been so dependent on oil price with this Anadarko acquisition obviously being burdened down by all of this debt so but it's be good to be watching for tomcat so now i'm a little scared i was bullish this week but uh but 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 we'll have to evaluate this that's the beauty of the friday show we can we can evaluate and we'll come back with you on monday with our picks on how everything will look for the next week my side of the fund bonanza creek just doing very well it's up to 1894 remember we got in at 1489 so a really nice nice looking uh performance of the fund canceling out my two shorts that i did on cl this week we got in at 35 and we are out about 36 15 on both those contracts that's a nice 1500 dip for the pot um uh dip into the portfolio unfortunately so i think right now we're about flat in our uh, 100k portfolio um we are revamping the 360 right now on the website it's the 360 digital closing bell page we're, we're doing a complete rebrand of it we're calling it the oil and gas 360 news desk and it's going to have everything it's going to have all the podcasts both the long form and the five minute shows it's going to have all of our charts for all of our picks we're actually going to start allocating money because we can do this through the widgets on the portfolio so we'll be able to see hey our portfolio's up three percent today down four percent today so we'll be getting all of that rolled out here to you in the next couple weeks but i'm excited to get that to you um, natural gas is about the only other thing that we have in the portfolio right now. It's pretty much flat. Our entrance point was $1.78, currently trading at $1.82. So we made some cash there on the upside, but but not quite enough to say let's let's go and keep in. Remember, we're we're gonna keep that as a long-term hold. We've you know every expert we interview keeps telling us three fifty, four dollars got what's the Kreskin got for it today? Uh don't know yet. <laughs> That's funny. So um <laughs> And a good show today, Stu. Do we got anything else for these guys before we let them go here? Um, yeah, buckle up. 
it's going to be a rough ride. Yeah, it's only going to continue to get crazier and crazier. So, and yeah, so just stick with it. We feel like the 360 Digital Closing Bell is the best place to stay up to date on all of your energy market stuff. What we do have is some changes in our uh, uh, analysis coming up. So you're getting even more detailed with all your analytical skills. So not to give uh, anything away, but you're getting a lot of uh, resources there. No, the, the, the resources that come with, with being in, in the power station, as we call it here on The Closing Bell, has been unbelievable, and we appreciate all of the help. And with that, we're going to go ahead and let you guys get back to work. Remember, if you're listening to this in the afternoon on Friday, feel free to take the rest of the day off. That's it. It's our like to you. We'll, we'll, you can go online and download our uh, um, work from home or uh, we have permission slip that gets you we're doing, so that you, you can skip work signed by us. It's legit. Don't worry. But we'll go ahead and let you guys get back to work or finish your day. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing. We will see you guys this afternoon for the Digital Ticker and Monday 